0: Listening
1: to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'll be your host this evening, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at mattffdynasty, and with me as always is my co-host Kev, who you can follow at dynasty underscore go. How are you, Kev? I'm very
0: good, thank you, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, quite interesting to spend Valentine's Day with two guys. But, <laughs> but yeah, I also think I've missed the memo on, uh, on the colour scheme today. I've gone for a lighter colour. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to the show. I know it's going to be a great one.
2: Yeah, so it's been Valentine's Day, me and Marvin, we know what we're up, but obviously you you didn't get the memo, Kevin. (laughs) So yeah, today we've got a great show coming up. We've got a special guest. He is a writer for the Fantasy Footballers, a writer and ranker over at the Dynasty Nerds, and he's an absolute stat machine if you follow him on Twitter. So we'd like to give a wild card welcome to Marvin Eloquent.
1: Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for weeks now, so I'm excited to dive in and, and get to talk to you guys about some football.
2: Absolutely, I know when um, when I was uh, when I was a guest on this podcast in the last offseason, uh, Kevin reached out to me and he asked who's was one guy I'd like to see on the podcast, and uh, I picked Marvin. So it's quite interesting how we've come full circle, and I'm actually able to to be on the show with you, Marvin.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome. I feel like it was about a year ago when we both kind of started writing, so it's Absolutely. it's awesome to see like all the stuff we've we've been able to do, Kevin. What you've done with this podcast and everything is just uh, good to be here and just connect with you guys finally and person i guess to virtually
0: <laughs> i've just got to ask a quick question marvin is that uh is that behind you jordy nelson or jay sternberger just
1: kidding oh. <laughs> totally jay sternberger no no it's jordy nelson <laughs> uh just one of my favorite packer players so yeah just uh definitely jordy nelson not jay sternberg yet we're still waiting for the breakup i'm still waiting <laughs>
2: absolutely so on today's show we're, we're going to redo the 2020 rookie draft and um, the format we're choosing to do is just a, a quick first round and a, a 12 team Superflex 2020 2022 rookie draft obviously knowing what we know now and um, following the 2020 season Um so we're going to kick things off with marvin and then we'll alternate between uh kevin myself so so basically marvin you're on the odd numbers and then kevin myself on the even numbers so we'll get straight into it and who do you have at the 101
1: all right, so since it's a super flex, it you know only feels right to go with a quarterback. So I'm going with Justin Herbert at the 101, who had an outstanding rookie season, second best fantasy season by rookie quarterback, only behind Cam Newton. Um, QB4 in attempts, you know, QB9 pressure completion percentage. Um, also had a pretty good rushing floor there. You know, uh, QB5 in red zone carry. So you love to see that from from a quarterback just having that that high floor from a from a rushing standpoint, and QB8 in fantasy points per game in his rookie year. So it's just really um impressive what he was able to do and uh having his uh, core of of skill players there in keen Allen Austin Eckler hopefully Hunter Henry back maybe they draft someone else you know I I'd love Kyle Pitts and in, in, as a as a charger there um but uh I just think there's a lot of upside with this with this offense and Justin Herbert just uh really showed out and and proved to all of us that he can be a, a fancy relevant quarterback for years
0: yeah I agree with this selection as well I'm he fell in
1: my rankings preseason
0: as I believed Tyron Taylor would play most of the year didn't realize the charge to the point of Dr Nick from the Simpsons (laughs) Uh, But yeah really impressive rookie season He, he broke the record rookie record for passing touchdowns with 31 previous best was 27 by Baker Mayfield and the five rushing touchdowns was really nice he did flash that ability towards the end of his college career at Oregon um, but it's also great to see that the coaching staff put their trust in a rookie QB in those situations near the goal line. Um, I do worry that the volume will drop a little with the improved and healthy defence of the Chargers and also uh, the addition of defensive-minded coach Brandon Staley. Um, however, Herbert's upside is superb and got to appreciate the arm talent he displayed in 2020. So my question for you, Marvin, is There's there's been quite a lot of talk of incoming rookie trevor lawrence being the best qb prospect for years in a startup would you take trevor lawrence or justin herbert and why
1: i know right right with the tough (laughs) questions there (laughs) um that's that's a really really good one i think right now i don't know what their adp is currently but i'd imagine they're very close and a lot of people are very very high in trevor lawrence but for me, I think I'd still lean Justin Herbert right now, just because we've seen it from him. He's just been in in the league for one year. I mean, just one year, but he he showed that he's capable. And I, I truly believe Trevor Lawrence will be capable. And in, in that Jacksonville offense, assuming that's where he goes, he'll be great. And um, it's just the uh, having that experience and just seeing it already by by Herbert makes me lean, going with a safer option, quote unquote. Um, but to me if i if i had to rank them and i don't have trevor lawrence or the rookies in my rankings yet i'd probably have them really close in you know within that mid mid top 10 area of the qb ones so both are gonna be great
2: yeah i think it's always tough because obviously as fantasy players we we all get excited about the new shiny toy don't we and uh we all, we all like to think that Trevor Lawrence is going to just ball out straight away, but when you when you've seen that production already from somebody like Herbert, it's always a lot easier just to, to play it safe. You, you know what you're getting. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence. We all think we know what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's still something that we're, we're yet to see. So yeah, I think I'm with you on that one, Marvin. And and I, I would lean on the on the safer side with Herbert. So we'll move straight on into to the 102. Then Kev, who have you got?
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor here, my rookie RB1 last season. Um, he, he quietly finished the year as the RB6 on the season. Really impressive as a rookie with a limited off-season. He was the RB8 in fantasy points per game as well, so he's showing that it's not just about durability, which is a positive trait anyway. Um, he, he answered his major concerns coming out of Wisconsin, which was the pass catching, where in the NFL he caught 39 Passes on for thirty six passes on thirty nine targets, which was an eighty seven point eight catch rate, second in the NFL at running back. And also the fumbles were a concern. He had one every fifty four college touches. However, he only had one in his rookie season on two hundred and sixty eight touches. As well as this, he was third in the NFL in rushing yards. He was fourth in the NFL in twelve with twelve total touchdowns. This is despite being twenty eighth in the league in snap share at fifty point three percent. I think the sell-high narrative on him is comedy gold. Um, he turned 22 <laughs> in January. Flash elite usage down the stretch. He finished as a mid RB1 as a rookie in a disrupted offseason. He's got the stable situation at head coach and GM. He, there is a likelihood grading coming at QB as well. So if anything, he's a buy-high for me, actually. Uh, so he, his current ADP is RB3, uh, just ahead of guys like... Uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. Do you think that's a fair price, Marvin? And does he belong in that tier?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he he belongs there. I actually have him as my RB3 right now as well in Dynasty. So I I definitely think that's the tier he belongs in. And, you know, he's right up there with Christian McCaffrey. And um, Saquon is someone I think slightly being forgotten, but he's still pretty good, assuming he can come back healthy. But Jonathan Taylor really showed us that he can handle that workload and they'll use him. In the passing game, I know everyone was worried about it, like you mentioned, but, I mean, what was his catch percentage? Like 90%. I mean, I know some of those are dump-offs, but still, he he took those receptions and made something with it. And that's what you want to see from a rookie, taking the opportunity and, and running with it. And so I definitely think that's where he belongs, and I, I don't mind. You know, Some people might take him RB1. I think that's a little rich, but I think he belongs in that top two, top three in Dynasty. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Marvin. I know, I know Kev's like me. We were both super high on Jonathan Taylor coming into this <laughs> year. Um, you see it all over Twitter. Everyone was panicking, weren't they, at the start of the year? We, they were all worried about his, his vision and, and was he actually going to be a bit of a, a bit of a flop in the NFL? But it just goes to show how good he is. Come on, uh, coming towards the back end of the season, just absolutely taking over that backfield and, and looking incredible. I, I'm interested to know, Marvin, did, did you have him as your RB1 out of that rookie class or were you more of a Clyde Abdelair guy?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I didn't really, like I, I, something I've been working on recently is just kind of looking at my process of analyzing Mm -hmm. these rookies. So I kind of revamped the way I look at rookies, kind of combining film and analytics. And the guy that, to me, should have been the clear-cut number one from that process that I just finished a couple weeks ago is Jonathan Taylor. There was no question about it that even with the draft capital of Clyde Edwards-Solaire, like you plug in that, you know, was it like a couple pick difference? It doesn't really change anything because his collegiate profile was just that tremendous. So... I think he should have been the one one I know I... So in my leagues, I got a little too, I don't know, cute and went with Clyde edwards Lair <laughs> and I do regret it. So those guys that drafted him one-on-one, they're, they're very happy. <laughs> don't worry, Marvin. We don't, we don't judge you, Marvin, for, for not taking Jonathan Taylor.
2: Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> what's your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, my analysis said it all, really. I think the, the set-line narrative, it's... I think it's a bit of a joke, to be honest. I mean... He deserves to be up there. He's young. He's proven it in the NFL already. The the only way he's up, really. And I mean, if you're going to sell him, I what are you what are you selling him for? You're selling him to you're selling him for an older running back, or are you selling him for a, a rookie running back uh, like himself. That's not as good. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm fully on board with him. I think he'd, I've got it as like a I've got McCaffrey on his own, and then I've got like a tier tier of five me. So I think yeah. I'd be happy with him as I is running back two, but we'll just have to see how the how the drafts unfold. I guess he might get him as late as running back five or in back six.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with that narrative. Obviously. We know how how valuable as well rookie running backs, obviously they're young and and we know how easy they can drop off these running backs. So when you can get a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's obviously only 21, I believe you said, so still got plenty of years in him and you wouldn't expect that decline to start anytime soon. if anything, we're just seeing the start really, I think, with Jonathan Taylor. And um, I think, yeah, with a a full workload and, and getting straight back into it in 2021, I think, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Taylor. Indeed. So we'll jump straight into the 103, Marvin, who have you got?
1: All right, so I'm going with another quarterback here. Uh, it was tempting because I know there's some really good <laughs> wide receivers and and running backs here too, but I went with Joe Burrow, um, just someone who actually had a you know a pretty good season uh, before his injury. Tenth um, highest fantasy points per game by rookie quarterback in history, above Andrew Luck, above and uh, Russell Wilson. Um, QB two in attempts per game so that is pretty high that might come down if they improve their defense a little bit but um, still um, s- something that's really encouraging to see is he's actually the QB six and completion percentage over expected and that's a stat that next gen stats um, tracks for us and um, he was uh, above Herbert in that regard just making the throws that he should have made and was very efficient with it so you know I, we love Justin Herbert and I I have him ranked higher than than Burrow right now but would I be surprised if you know, five years from now, we're looking at both of them as like a top five quarterback, and we can't decide between the two. I wouldn't be because um, they both have the talent, and in that offense where they have cap space and and they have draft picks available in this in this class, I, I definitely think they could build around her and uh, around um, Joe Burrow and make that a really lethal offense for years.
0: Yeah, so I'm lower than most on Burrow. I have personally taken. <laughs> um, my mystery player here, which we'll come on to a little bit later on.
2: <laughs> the mystery player. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I think for me, it's, it's not that I don't like Burrow. I just think that um, he's a tad overrated as a talent. He's mm-hmm. shown in one season as an older prospect on a London mm-hmm. LSU team. Um, I think he's landed in a pretty awesome situation, though, with the Bengals. Uh pass heavy with the poor defence, and he's tied to two young top 25 dynasty wide receivers for me, Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I do also think Burrow will take a further step forward with O line improvement. Um, he was QB 36 in the NFL in pressure completion percentage. And if we remember back to LSU, he did he did have the benefit of playing behind an elite uh, offensive line there. Um, with with your breakdown of Burrow, it sounds like you, you do love him long-term, Marvin. Uh, do you think he has the upside to rise above a guy like Lamar Jackson in your dynasty rankings, making him the best dynasty QB? in the afc AFC north
1: ah that's a good question i i know lamar took a step back i guess you could say that but he's still pretty good i mean you have that rushing floor which i don't think is joe burrow can get to to that anywhere close to that really so um i still would have lamar jackson there but I, i definitely think joe burrow i mean he has a rushing floor too so let's not forget that but um i think from uh I guess from a fantasy standpoint, yes, they can get close. I still lean Lamar Jackson, at least for this year and maybe next year, but um, those guys are all within, like, I'm, I'm trying to pull up, pull up my rankings, but they're all within that, you know, QB four to seven-ish range for me, and so um, I think that that area is all kind of just mixed in, where you can take any one of those guys, and they could they all kind of have that rushing floor, too, like all those guys, Wilson, Dak, uh, Josh Allen, right, Watson, They're all they're all going to be great, but um, I think Lamar has that, just that, I don't know, that 100 rushing floor ceiling, which not everyone has, and that's so valuable for fantasy.
2: Yeah, I think yep. I'm in agreement, Marvin. Obviously, we know what Lamar Jackson can do on the ground, and and that's what makes him such a valuable um, fantasy asset. As, as I say every week, it's what it's what we look for in quarterbacks, though, guys that can run the ball. They're, they're, they're racking up points for your left, right, and center. So, yeah, I'm always targeting those guys. Um, but just touching back on uh, Joe Burrow, is your feelings like me Marvin are you a fan of this entire Bengals offense as a whole
1: yeah I'm I'm a big fan of this I mean I I'm I'm sure we'll see it here in the next couple of picks but I'm I love T Higgins a lot I I just yeah. think what his ceiling is 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 tremendous and I think last time I checked his ADP is like somewhere in the mid wide receiver twos and I'm I just think that's outrageous I think that's a value um but um you know I Did a little bit of research on on this team a couple weeks ago. I think they have like the fifth highest projected cap space in the league right now when a lot of teams are kind of struggling to find cap space. They have um, quite a few picks in the first two to three rounds. So I believe they're going to just really um, load up that offensive line, which they should, and improve it, um, but then maybe even add a wide receiver. Not necessarily one of the top ones, but we know this class is so deep that you could grab one in the second or third round. And they'd be a great compliment to T. Higgins. So, I think this that should elevate this offense, and theoretically, it should be a good offense for years. But, you know. It doesn't always work that way, but that's what <laughs> I'm projected <it> to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. That.
2: I'm definitely hoping that uh, the Bengals grab an O-lineman with that first pick. I've seen rumours that they could target somebody like Jamar Chase, which I think would just be crazy. Um, they've, they've got to protect Burrow. We've, we've seen it this season. He needs protection. Um, I'm a bit of a Joe Mixon trooper as well. I've got to throw Mixon in there, and, and I'd love to see an O-lineman um, just, to, just to help him out as well. Um, Kevia, yeah, are, are, you, are you on board with uh, Borough bouncing back then?
0: yeah i think for the short term while the defense is still bad i think it's yeah. he's, he's going to get the volume and he's got the weapons that are fantastic so I, i'm I kind of like him more short term rather than long term which sounds strange for a guy that's just finished his rookie season yeah um mm-hmm. i guess the, the thing for me is yeah improving that offensive line i think if you give him time and with those weapons he's gonna he's gonna cut defense apart so so, yeah, despite being lower than Contents, I, I do I do think Burrow's got a pretty bright uh, next couple of years.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll move on to the 104 then, and, and this is my pick. And I've got to put a disclaimer in there. If I was building a team, I probably wouldn't make this pick. But if we're going on pure talent, I've gone for Justin Jefferson arguably one of the, the greatest wide receiver rookie seasons we've ever seen. Uh, 1,400 yards, which was fourth in the NFL on just 88 receptions, and he added seven touchdowns to that as well. Is uh, 1,400 receiving yards is, is a record by a rookie wide receiver in the Super Bowl era, um, and he's averaging 87.5 yards per game. So just as I say, an unreal uh, rookie season for Jefferson. Um, he's the first rookie wide receiver to earn All-Pro honours since Randy Moss, in 1998, so is alongside some an awesome name uh, in the NFL, uh, and he finished the season as the wide receiver six in fantasy, averaging 17 fantasy points per game. Um, so just if you've drafted uh, Jefferson, you've hit gold with him, and he's been fantastic straight away. We often talk about wide receivers taking the time to adjust in the NFL, but but Jefferson's just been an instant impact. Uh, but but with that, his ADP has shot up. Is he's the wide receiver three now in Dynasty? But he is only 21 years old and, and he's got the potential to go down as one of the greats in the NFL for me. Um, He's used equally in the slot, um, but also outside, which obviously we saw at LSU is predominantly in the slot. So it's great to see him have the opportunity to to do both roles. And and with that, he's getting a solid volume while also putting up the potential to have uh, big plays, as he did show, obviously, in, in 2020. Uh, so, Marvin, my question for you is, obviously, given that ADP of wide receiver three, um, would you be comfortable having him that high over proven veterans people like Tyree Kill, deandre hopkins or do you have that little concern that maybe that there's that chance of a sophomore slump
1: yeah there's um uh, i definitely think you know this vikings defense was just not what we've i guess grown accustomed to they were they had a pretty good defense just a few years ago but things turn around so quickly i think if that improves they might not need to throw the ball as much maybe they they might not you know that team's generally not wanted kirk to throw as much so he's been good at it and fairly underrated so i don't think wide receiver three is that far off i think i'd still have tyreek above him i'd have aj brown above him which mm-hmm. i'm maybe a little biased i love aj brown so that <laughs> there's that um but then in that you know wide receiver four area you know with Devonte adams as wide receiver one for me that fourth area is like is it dk metcalf is it justin jefferson hopkins that's where it gets questionable and I, I that's where I would have Justin Jefferson in my opinion right there with DK Metcalf. And um regardless, you know, you mentioned it like a historical rookie season that you can't just really forget that guys don't do that all the time. And that's that shows that um you know similar to like Odell who had the you know LSU wide receiver right there who had a pretty good uh rookie season went on to do it for several years. And I think that's what we can expect from Justin Jefferson even with Thielen there. Even if they scale down the volume, I think they'll throw it to their best receiver and that's Justin Jefferson. So yeah, I like him a lot for, for the foreseeable future and for even further beyond, I don't know, 5-10 years from now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Marvin. I think sophomore slump, it's I can't see it personally. I think that if anything, there's room for growth with the touchdowns. I think Phelan had a, an outstanding year of touchdowns, but outside of Phelan there is a Smith that will eventually get there, but <laughs> have got no wide receiver free of note, and based on them being uh, what's, what's traditionally been a run-heavy or run heavier um, offence, I think he's proven it in year one. Uh, There's a lot of concerns about him only being able to play in the slot uh, <laughs> because he had a high snap percentage at LSU in the slot, but that's been put to bed now. I think it's, for him to hit that early, it's really impressive. So, yeah, I, I think Jefferson's a great pick here.
2: Yeah, Marvin. I just want to hear your opinion. Were you high on Jefferson coming into to the NFL, or were you a bit unsure? As we said, a slot receiver. Sometimes people aren't too too comfortable thinking it could just be a slot receiver. What What was your feelings on him coming in this season?
1: So I liked him a lot. I had him as a, my wide receiver three behind. Um, I think at, after the draft, it was between C.D. Reger and. Um, and justin jefferson who those yeah. three i really liked a lot um yeah. didn't like judy as much and especially that situation but um you know jefferson was someone who i know we everyone was worried about the slot role but we saw him play outside as well every now yeah. and then he could still succeed and it was always just watching him play he'd just get open all the time and if you can get open it doesn't really matter <laughs> where you play you're just going to get open and yeah. ideally that's to the quarterback throws to, and that's what we saw and he and he just excelled in it so i'm I'm you know I liked him then like him even more now and um yeah I think he's just gonna be so good for years yeah for
2: sure so we'll move on then and we'll go into the 105 pick which is you Marvin
1: all right so we're finally getting uh something else other than a quarterback here for me <laughs> um so I'm going with DeAndre Swift um running back out of Detroit and um you know it was the RB 16 in 2020 in fantasy points per game uh even with a limited opportunity I know he kind of Split snaps there with AP for whatever reason, and they finally realized that they shouldn't be doing that, which is good. um But uh interesting with him is he wasn't actually the most efficient rusher in that regard, but he was great in the receiving game. RB six in yards per route run, RB ten in in target share, um, wasn't quite as great as creating for himself above the, above the offensive line, but he was RB thirteen in breakaway run rate, so he had some big runs, and and that's valuable too because that if you want to feed this guy the ball because he'll get those big chunk plays more frequently than most running backs and that's because that's who he is he's explosive he's a he's a th- he should be a three down back and that's what what i like about him even with jared goff i know in your guys last episode you talked a little bit about jared goff and he's not the the, the future for this team i don't believe but still dan campbell and, and that coaching staff they want to use him in the slot. They yeah. they um want to give him what they mentioned like 25 touches per game or something like that like that would be a dream for fantasy and definitely think he's an rb1 should solidify himself as a dynasty rb1 if that's if that were to happen next year
0: yeah i love this selection marvin Uh, swift's actually the mystery guy i mentioned earlier on so um yeah really high on swift i have him in that same tier as jonathan taylor actually which is a a glowing endorsement from me um Number two in rookie running back receptions, up behind only James Robinson with forty-six grabs. I think Swift has the best running back pass ceiling in this class, actually, which is huge in PPR dynasty leagues. I I wrongly faded Swift after his landing spot last season. I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. Um, but yeah, it's been a it has been quite an interesting uh, off season for the Lions. The new coach and GM uh, trading the franchise QB, potentially losing both starting wide receivers. Uh, what effect has, of the uh, Lions offseason moves had on Swift in your dynasty rankings, Marvin?
1: So not so much. I, I think I had him as a top 10 dynasty running back, and he's now currently still my RB7. And I think that's – I think another concern with them not having a wide, re- a talented wide receiver core if Galladay and Jones don't come back. But they can – I believe there's someone who might draft a wide receiver as well, but then – if they weren't as efficient, at least with Swift uh, volume will, will offset some of that. And so, if you give him five receptions and you know anywhere between 15 to 18 rush attempts, I think that should be an RB one season. And that's why I'm I'm still very optimistic with him. You know, they Anthony Lynn and Deuce Staley they mentioned 25 touches per game. If that were to happen, uh, we might not worry as much about the efficiency. And I think at that point, talent kind of will over. Overcome that because Swift is that good, and he will find ways to produce. So, um, what do you guys think about Swift in 2021?
2: Yeah, I, I have to admit, I was a little cautious. Obviously, when we heard Jared Goff was coming, in, and, and this whole mm-hmm.
1: offense, we we don't know
2: what's going to happen. Obviously, Kenny and Marvin um, Jones, <laughs> both becoming free agents, we don't know what's going to happen. I'd like to believe that they're going to resign Galladay, but. Um, I think on a, on a whole, as you mentioned, the comments that have come out in in recent weeks, it, it's just what every fantasy owner wants to hear. If you've got Swift, you you want to hear that he's getting that workload. And um, something that me and Kev touched on, though, we, we both seem to think that there could be a possibility. Maybe they go for another running back, maybe in free agency. We, we mentioned someone like Leonard Fournette. What what would you be feelings on on and grabbing somebody like that just to to spell in with with Swift and, and maybe help out at the at the running back position?
1: Yeah, I guess. You know, if, I guess if the model of that running team or that rush rush attack would be similar to what the Chargers did, yeah. where they had two running backs who were, could have been fantasy relevant, then I think it can, it can work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it would it would destroy our dreams of having that twenty five <laughs> touch <laughs> per game season. But I still think even if it were fifteen to twenty that might still be plenty if some of those are receptions in a PPR league. So uh, I think that's a valid point, though, that they could bring someone in, and they likely will because they can't just give him all the touches. Um, And and we saw that in his rookie year. They didn't really – it's a different coaching staff, a different team in general, but they didn't trust him with all of it. And even with workhorse running backs, you see them getting spelled by a different running back for a couple of carries. So someone will come in. I just hope it's not someone – (laughs) because I like Leonard Fournette, who's very talented, in my opinion, who showed that he can still play and um, should probably go to a different team and and take carries from someone
2: else. (laughs) (laughs) We can all hope, Alvin. Exactly.
0: (laughs) I I think for me as as well, I was just going to say on Swift, I kind of don't want him to have 25 touches a game. I Mm. think he'd be better to have maybe maybe 20 touches with a Mm. fair portion in the pass game, a little bit like Alvin Kamara's used. And that will actually give him a better shot for me. I think if he's going to be a top three dynasty running back, I'd prefer for him to go down the Alvin Kamara route than the, I don't know, Saquon Barkley route, we'll say.
2: Yeah, I think with his explosiveness and the ability he has to make big plays, I think I agree with you, Kev. It's better to give him maybe a few snaps where he's off the field, let him recharge the batteries and then throw him, as you say, in that slot role or in the backfield i'd much rather that. i don't i don't want swift running into a, to a, a bunch of big men at the o-line i'd rather him get those touches out in space and, and let him show what he can do because as you mentioned he's an unbelievable talent and yeah i think he can well the sky's the limit i think for for Swift in 2021 so we'll move on into the 106 kev who've you got yeah i'm keeping up for two here.
0: i'm keeping up for him <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, my 106 is uh, to a of by Lower. Um, in Superflex rookie drafts, you've got to prioritise and value QB high. Guys like Herbert slid further than they should last season. Uh, this pick was really close to a few of the other running backs, but I've gone for Tua, who as a rookie wasn't very impressive, to be honest. Uh, 15.05 fantasy points per game, including two games where he was pulled early. Uh, it led to him being the QB 25 in fantasy points per game but we have got to bear in mind that the play calling was pretty rubbish the weapons were bang average at best since then the old uh offensive coordinator changiel has been fired uh, and the dolphins have got plenty of cap room and draft capital to sign a couple of impact wide receivers i don't actually think the gap between two oh two oh two and <laughs> burrow is the uh it, i don't think it's as wide as the consensus suggests there's uh there's currently burrow at qb10 and tour at QB 13 in startups, which is 16 picks difference, which is almost around and a half. Uh, Burrow was in a way better situation with volume and capable pass catchers. But if we get to the draft, uh, if we get past the draft and beyond, and the Dolphins have added guys like, I don't know, Juju and Devontae Smith, I'm taking two or above Burrow, which might seem a little bit crazy, but yeah, I'm a little bit mad for Tua. I, I still believe in his talent. I, I think he's Even in a worse situation than Burrow, he scored more fantasy points per drop back. And there's also some concerns about Tua's rush floor, but comparing that to Burrow, Tua scored 21.33% of fantasy points through rushing, where Burrow scored 19.08. I know that's a little bit skewed by overall pass play as well, but rush floor is not a concern for me. Bearing in mind, Tua's could potentially a potentially career threatening hip injury as well. And now Burrow's got his uh, own injury to come back from. So, I don't imagine you're as high on the tour as me, Marvin. I don't think many are, but I've seen a lot of talking in the dynasty community debating Tua versus someone like Jalen Hurts, which in ADP is literally a coin flip. So where do you sit on that one?
1: Well, yeah, so I have Tua as a QB one, but just as a QB twelve right now in dynasty. I should probably watch out here because I see you're an Eagles fan, so I, I need to <laughs> make sure I say the right thing here. Um, but um, I, I do think I like to a little more than Jalen Hurts, at least right now, um, until we see kind of what that the the situation in, in Philadelphia looks like. And, you know, it sounds like you know this better than any of us, I'm sure, that they might trade Wentz, right, and then go with, with Hurts. And that, that I think that'll be great for fantasy. Um, but what I like about Miami and what they're building there is really that they have a tremendous amount of cap space. They have four picks in the first two rounds. I, I think they're set up to build and uh, a team that's going to be young and could contend, maybe even next year for a playoff spot. So that's why I like Miami a little more. Um, everyone's mocking uh, Devonta Smith to um, to Miami, and I think that would help Tua tremendously. And I think he just needs um, an off season, a full off season now that he's a little more on the healthier side um to to build chemistry with his receivers and um hopefully they trust him to play a full 16 games and not pull him out and as much as i like ryan fitzpatrick and i think he's he's great and if he's if he's still there for that team i think they need to give it to the rookie and let him figure it out and i think he's talented enough to do that so um i might not be as big of a Tua fan as you kev but i I do like him a lot for dynasty and i still have him as a qb1 um in my rankings very yeah. happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: think it's interesting with Tua. Obviously, for me personally, I feel like he was thrown at the deep end a little bit. He come in and they, they were on a tough run of games and expecting a rookie. Was obviously as Kev mentioned, coming off that injury, being thrown straight into his first NFL game and being. when we're all expecting him to to be a superstar, it, it doesn't always work out like that. And I think in fantasy, we're being a little bit harsh on Tua. We're, we're taking it from this small sample size and. And the, as, as good as the Dolphins was, were last season, I, I don't think the, the offence was brilliant. I mean, the, the guys he was throwing to were nothing compared to, as Kev said, people like Burrow and Herbert. Um, so as you say, with this draft capital that they've got and, and the cap space that they have, I believe that they are going to improve this offence a, a whole bunch. And and I do honestly believe that, that Tua's got plenty of room to, to rebound. And I think he can easily outperform his, his ADP that he's at, at the moment
0: i think as well like that if if it was a crazy trade to the texans i actually don't mind that i mean obviously (laughs) the the, the dolphins are going to put themselves in a really good position Mm -hmm. with the draft capital and the the cap room but let's say he went to houston and uh, they kept will fuller they're going to be playing from behind a lot i think it'd be a lot different Mm -hmm. situation to the ball control offensive play this season when those basically limiting his game because the defense was that good and they were just trying not to lose so i think what they asked him to do from a real life perspective he did really well as a rookie but but yeah it's, it's, mm-hmm. i think he'll stay with the dolphins i don't i think it's all been a bit of a uh a lot of speculation with the trading but um if he if did i wouldn't i wouldn't kick him to the curb i wouldn't do a Jared goff to him <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, I, I agree with that. I'm I'm definitely hopeful that he stays in in uh, Miami. I'm not quite sure I'm with you on on the, on the joining the Houston Texans if that would be such a good thing. I mean, that O-line's. I mean, the Sean Watson has to perform miracles every week just to to avoid being <laughs> tapped in two. So I'm not quite sure I'd be too fully on board with that one. But it's going to be an interesting off season for sure, and and seeing how Miami play out. I'm hopefully stays and and yeah gets gets some improved weapons, and we can finally see that potential that, that he showed at Alabama. So we're halfway through. And I've just
1: messed up.
2: <laughs> We're halfway through the draft, so I'm just going to do a quick uh, quick recap of, of who we've selected. At the 101, we had Justin Herbert, 102, Jonathan Taylor, 103, Joe Burrow, 104, Justin Jefferson, 105, DeAndre Swift, and 106, Tua tungabai lower. So we'll move on into the second <laughs> half. And at the 107, who have you got, Marvin?
1: So I already mentioned him earlier as someone who I really like for Dynasty, and that's T. Higgins. Um, I know it's above C.D. Lamb, so that might be a little bit of a hot take. Uh, I don't know nowadays if that is. There's a lot of love for T. Higgins, and I think it's it's justified. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that gets thrown or just forgotten maybe is that when Joe Burrow was the quarterback and when he kind of received that starter level um, snap percentage in this offense, he was the wide receiver eight in receiving yards. Wide receiver nine in air yards per game, wide receiver 12 in yards per mm-hmm. after the catch per game, wide receiver 12 in PPR points per game was 17.2. I, at in that time span, he was I, I think less than half a less than a point behind Justin Jefferson production during that same time span. So you know, we we are obviously ranking Justin Jefferson highly because of what he did for the whole season. But if Joe Joe Burrow comes back healthy and and T Higgins is the guy, then I think we'll see a wide receiver, borderline wide receiver one uh, performance from him in 2021. Um, One thing I want to share real quick is that in NFL history, we've only had nine wide receivers finish their rookie year at age 21 or younger with 900 receiving yards minimum and 50 receptions minimum. T Higgins is one of those nine receivers along with guys like Randy Moss, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans. It's a bunch of high profile wide receivers who did it in their rookie year and, and went on to do it for years right and and that's some pretty good company so cd lamb i believe falls in that list justin jefferson of course so it's gonna be this is gonna be a good wide receiver class for years but let's not forget about t higgins who i think has the lowest adp of of those three that i mentioned the rookie receivers. so um yeah i, I like him a lot i may be biased because i have him in quite a few dynasty leagues but I, I do think just from what we've seen he'll be good for years
0: Marvin, it's Valentine's Day and I absolutely love this selection. It's, uh, <laughs> um, I, I would have been running back personally, but I'd, I do love the fact you've taken Tegan Sicilian above C.D. Lamb as well. I think that's that's amazing, to be honest. Um, I have him above C.D. Uh, Lamb in, in my rankings. He's currently my wide receiver 10. Um, I love the fact that he's got 104 vacated targets from A.J. Green going that Joe Burrow's returning, uh, and also he's got that uh, touchdown growth, potentially only had six as a rookie, I think. Ah, he could push double figures if the uh, if the offence um, does as it should. My only real concern with Teagans is speculation and rumours uh, I've seen about the draft. So you did mention earlier about the Bengals looking to add somebody, at wide receiver, through the draft. Um, Jamar Chase has been rumoured to be uh, touted there early, early on with uh, partnering up with his college qb joe burrow if this happens who'd be the alpha in that offense for you and what result would it have on teagans's value
1: man all these tough questions okay (laughs) um i i think it might be jamar chase gosh they're both they're both alpha receivers they both have that build and, and have that capability but you know like you said there are 104 vacated targets and that's not enough for a wide receiver one. So they, they might steal from each other a little bit. Um, Tyler Boyd might be affected. I mean, this is good. that would be an explosive offense for for Fantasy and for Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, any, anyone there. I don't know who else they could add as a tight end there. But it's just going to be a good offense if they were to do that. Now, um, I, I think it does lower T. Higgins' ceiling a little bit. And so I wouldn't maybe draft him in redraft at least as high as I'd maybe would right now in my head. Um, so I think though for Joe Burrow, that would be fantastic. And for fantasy in general, just as as an NFL fan, I think it would be fun to just watch that offense um, with Jamar Chase on one side, D Higgins on the other, and Joe Burrow throwing it to him. It'd be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think if I was a Bengals fan, I'd definitely, I'd definitely be excited to mm-hmm. see that. But, but as a T Higgins, I mean, we've got three T Higgins troopers here. Mm-hmm. Please, please, Bengals do not draft Jamar. <laughs> <laughs> let's just stick with that O line let's just let's just sort yeah. this this O line out. And that that that's what I'm I'm hoping. But yeah, T Higgins, a phenomenal player. Um, me and Kev spoke about it mid-season that he's a guy I think we were both trying to target and even just before he had that bit of a breakout we were trying to acquire him he's he's got bags of potential and tied to a quarterback like joe burrow who he's going to be the quarterback there for for years to come so just being tied to a quarterback like that it's just it's what you want in fantasy you want that that stable quarterback so yeah i'm fully on board with with taking Teagans here so we'll move on then to the 108 and this was my pick and and i went for the other wide receiver that we just mentioned that's cd lamb and they finished his rookie his rookie year as the wide receiver 22. Um, however, through those first five weeks when Dak uh, Prescott was the quarterback and before the season ended in injury, CeeDee Lamb was on pace for being the wide receiver 11. And um, so it made a fantastic start to his rookie year. Um, finished the season with a thousand plus yards from scrimmage thanks to those 82 rushing yards so he couldn't quite manage it all through the air but he managed to get there with, with with some nice plays and i think that's what's good to see the fact that the the cowboys were looking to get lamb involved however they could and, and just get the ball into his hands and and let him show what an explosive player he is um but the, i think the final stats that, that that lambs come up with is is a fraction of what it could have been um if Dak prescott didn't go down um the Cowboys went from averaging 381 passing yards in those first ga- five games with Dak Prescott, and that dropped all the way down to 188 yards, which was the fifth lowest in the league. I mean, obviously, 381 passing yards, you wouldn't say that's sustainable, but to drop all the way down to 188, it, it just it capped all of the, the, the offensive players um, with the Cowboys and and especially CeeDee Lamb, who, as I say, made a brilliant start to the year. Um, but his ADP has jumped up. He was the wide receiver 20 in August before... The, season kicked off and now he's right up to the wide receiver seven in adp um to me that that feels like his adp has been tied into the to the expectation that dak prescott resigns in 2021 um, how pivotal marvin is that dak resigning for you in terms of cd Lamb's value in fantasy and and can he live up to that wide receiver seven price if dak didn't sign
1: yeah that's that's really interesting i i don't have him that high in my rankings um just because re- Part of that is because we don't know yet what's going to happen. I think if Dak does sign, I think that bumps him up a little bit for me. Um, definitely, it would definitely hurt him if he didn't sign. And I would hesitate a little more because he has competition there with Amari Cooper and, and Dak, and Dak, Michael Gallup, <laughs> as as two great wide receivers as well on, on the uh, playing next to him. Um, and you do want the volume there. Now, the to your point they they were super pass heavy for the first five games that will probably come down a little bit but there will still be plenty um th- there will still be plenty of opportunities even if that goes down by like 10 15 percent and whatever it might be so i do think the three can coexist but it, i think it needs to be dak i think we saw like you said that just that big a significant decline in in uh, just passing production uh, once stack went down and, and I do hope that he resigns. I think that's the plan. They might franchise tag him, I think, for the second time is what I read. So I really hope that happens and they just sign him long-term. And I know Mari Cooper's contract, I think there is. He signed that big deal, but I think there's an out towards the back. So it's possible they're kind of gearing towards that where if they need more cap space, Amari Cooper might be the, the, the odd man out or Gallup and who I think Gallup might be approaching a contract here as well. So there will be room. And if we're looking at that two- to three-year window for Dynasty, I think we shouldn't really hesitate about lamb because he's he's going to be good um we just need to wait for things to, to clear up a little bit
0: yeah i think that's massive for for lamb's value to mm-hmm. give it that, that consistent um a consistent feel that that security you want in. i think if if it was a different team and there was just say lamb and, and cooper for example as the wide receivers mm-hmm. and it was just two guys mm-hmm. you can you could sort of expect the drop off from dak to another quarterback not to harm it as much but I think with the amount of weapons they've got, also uh, they've got Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin at tight end. I think that can support all that, but maybe a less QB couldn't. And and we know that QBs are massive for for wide receivers. Obviously, we saw it. Jalen Rayko was touted really high um, coming out of rookie drafts last season. The the Eagles, I mean, their QB situation is pretty pretty funny. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I think that that's massive. I think he will stay but uh so i guess while there is this uncertainty if you do think that's going to stay now's a decent time to be getting cd at a discount
1: yeah i think definitely now a. i have seen him drop in in value quite a bit where some people are just trying to trade him away in dynasty leagues i don't think that's what we need to be doing um so if someone out there's worried i'd take i'd send an offer see if you can get him for like i don't know late first if someone's really that worried in, in a Superflex league. Because they're hyped about this draft class. And once again, like you were also hyped about this draft class. And you look back at ADP of rookie drafts last year, guys going in the late first, we were all high on them, like Keyshawn Vaughn, and nothing happened, right? So go with the proven guy. I think if someone's worried about a Lamb, yeah, go trade for him, definitely.
0: And I've actually, I'm actually trying to trade lamb for Tegan, so I'm busted now. Oh, there you go. Now we've spoke about it that that trade off (laughs) has been sitting there today, so I don't think it'll get done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great offer, Kevin. I'd I'd be getting Tegans. I've definitely got Tegans above CD Lamb, so yeah.
1: Hopefully, you can pull that one off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we'll move on to the 109 then, and, and it's you up, Marvin. Who've you got?
1: Yeah, so for the one hundred and nine, I think it gets a little tougher here with all these running backs. But I have Cam Akers, um, who I have um, currently ranked as my uh, drum roll. Um <laughs> uh, He's the RB ten. There we go. So he's my RB ten right now, and I, I just really liked what we saw from him in the, in that well, after that bye week when they gave him the opportunity, he just ran with it. And then you know we talked about this before where. We want to see that from running backs, you know, opportunity can be given to anyone, but whether they do something with it is a different story, right? And that's exactly what he did from weeks 12 to 14 before he injured his, he, I think he had a high ankle sprain. He was the RB 12 in PPR leagues and up from a points per game standpoint, RB six in opportunities per game with 21 RB three in rushing yards per game with one Oh nine. And then he got injured. But then what was encouraging is that in the playoffs, even without Daryl Henderson. So there's that caveat that he was the guy in the playoffs in those two games with nearly 25 opportunities, 136 yards per game, which is tremendous, one touchdown per game. I mean, it's just great to see him do that at the, the most competitive stage. And and that, I think, shows that they trust him and that he took that opportunity um, is, is huge and, and that he was very efficient on it as well. But you know, everyone's worried about Henderson, but in those, I think it was like three, four games, after the bye week, when he received that opportunity, Henderson's opportunities per game went down to 6.1. So compared to Akers is 21. So there's a they they committed to Akers and, and they were clearly trying to transition to him. And I think they would have done that for the rest of the season if he didn't get injured uh with his ankle. So I like Akers a lot. And Matt Stafford as well coming in. I think that's just going to help the offense. So I'm I'm optimistic and excited for what this offense could look like in, in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, we're we're both big fans of Cam because This this show turned into a perfect, perfect, All right. <laughs> it was like a Cam Akers fan show towards the end of last season. I think he's he's great value at the one oh nine. Uh, like you said, strong finish to the fantasy season. Um, he did only have eleven receptions on the year, but he did flash his pass catching ability in the playoffs um against against your packers actually as well. Um <laughs> yeah.
1: His value has improved in
0: that a bit of a dig, that's so one. I feel bad now.
1: How dare you? How dare you, Kev? No.
0: <laughs> At least your team was there, eh? <laughs> no, but um, it, like you said, his, his value has massively improved in recent months. He was running back 17 in November ADP. He's running back 14 in January ADP. And I think this will continue to rise with the news of um, adding a competent QB and Matt Stafford. Uh, and like you said he's a top 10 running back for you i think he'll end up there in in adp as well by the start of the season so um i, probably, I know the answer to this one i reckon but i'll ask anyway we um acres a- a- value has gone way up he's he's there's all this positive news regarding the rams the trade for stafford etc um and that the rams are probably going to be contending for the nfc as well next season so with his price rising does that make him a buy high for you, or does it potentially open a sell high window for you?
1: Um, I think it's it's an opportunity to really just you hold them if you have them, but I would still try to trade for him because I know there's still hesitation within the dynasty community with Henderson for whatever reason they're still worried about that, and, and I think there is some reason to have to to be concerned a little bit. But I I, I think it's Acres as the guy, so if there is some doubt in dynasty leagues. I think it's uh, within the right price. I think I would trade for him even at, what is it? The, you know, uh, mid QB one or mid QB one, RB one price range. I think that's still, that's appropriate. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, trades that I like to do is with some of these older running backs, like a Dalvin cook, maybe an Alvin Kamara. If you can trade down to say an acres or an Antonio Gibson and then get another piece along with that, I think that might be a trade to look into because a year from now or two years from now, you know that cliff of a running back performance and and trajectory can can hit pretty quickly, and we could be talking about Dalvin Cook, similar to Gurley from a year or, or two ago, where it was just a decline. So if you can get ahead of that, grab a younger version of maybe a Dalvin Cook like Cam Akers, and then um, not saying that they're the same running back, people don't believe that, but um, he, he'll be good for fantasy, and I think that's where you can kind of capitalize on that lower value before it really explodes in 2021
2: yeah that's definitely something I'd look to do it in Dynasty I think we need to remember as well Sean McVay is not scared is it to give a running back a big workload obviously we saw it as you mentioned Todd Gailer when he was at the Rams he got that big workload so if acres can get that kind of workload it is he's shown what he can do in the running game but also in the passing game as Kev said so I honestly think the sky's the limit for acres and it's going to be a fun fan club this one, Kev. I think next year, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with Acres.
0: <laughs> Definitely, it's a fan club. I just need to get the colours right next time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we will move on to the one ten, and this is your pick, Kev. Who've you got?
0: Well, just before I move on, we had we had a comment in the chat about uh, about Acres, and it's from Kevsky. said Acres with Stafford is fire. So we we all agree with that. We, Absolutely, um, we do love Acres, and he's like you say, the offense is going to be a lot better with. With Stafford over Gough. I don't think we're we're giving Gough a glowing endorsement on this show.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, um back to draft one ten. I'm taking Antonio Gibson. Um nice. last season's running back thirteen. Really impressive transition to the NFL on the back of thirty-three rush attempts at Memphis and only seventy-seven touches in total. Seventh in NFL in touchdowns with eleven. He also had thirty-six catches on forty-four targets, which was number seven in the, the league catch rate and it's also really nice that he's done all this on a 45.4 percent snap percentage which is 39th in the nfl at running back uh, i've not heard this comparison before but these numbers make him look like a discount jonathan taylor uh, so yeah it's it's fair to assume the touchdowns are quite high for um again that on that washington offense but i actually believe it's sustainable based on the fact that they are likely to improve at qb as a minimum so you would expect it to drop a little, but then if their offense is going to give him more opportunities to get these touchdowns, I think it'll probably be pretty stable. Um, There is some downside. JD uh, J.D. McKissick will cap his pass ceiling. He was number two in the league in receptions and receiving yards and target share at running back. Plus, he was also number one in the league in running back targets with 110, so it might take a couple of seasons to see Gibson's full potential, but with the wide receiver background from college and the likelihood of an improved offence, I genuinely believe he's got top five overall running back in his range of outcomes. I also don't think it's crazy to say he has the highest upside of any rookie running back in this class, if everything falls his way. So I've got a question for you, Marvin, uh, around Antonio Gibson's dynasty future. How would you go about acquiring him in existing leagues? What sort of deal would you be looking to do to get him onto your roster?
1: Yeah, we kind of talked about already a little bit with uh, Cam Akers and kind of the, the trades you might be trying to look for with him. Um, someone actually reached out to me the other day and was telling me, like, "Hey, I actually got Gibson in a first for uh, Derrick Henry," and I was nice. like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's <laughs> like, well, that's what you want to do?" And I, I think it's yeah. those, like, you capitalize on kind of the recency bias and some of the higher upside of those older running backs, where I'm I'm totally fine being one year early on the decline. I'd rather be one year early on the decline than one year late. So right now you might, Derrick Henry, I do think we'll still have a good year in 2021 and maybe it's foolish to doubt him, but what we've seen, you know, you get to that 28, 29 year old range and production might decline. And so if you can get down to Gibson from production standpoint, like you mentioned, the upside could be there and he could produce close to what Derrick Henry is capable of. Because if once you include the passing game as well for fantasy, right, that's that kind of evens out some of the rushing, the the difference in rushing upside, um, and then you get another pick or so, even maybe a second round or a, a low first. I think that's that'd be an awesome trade where you know you kind of get ahead of that decline, but then you still get a running back who has a pretty good upside. What do yeah, you guys
2: think? Wow. I'm fully on board, Marvin. Yeah, go on, yeah.
0: Kevin. I was just gonna say i will probably take Gibson over Henry straight up.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah to get it first yeah. Is, is yeah nice absolutely mm-hmm. we, we preach it it seems to be every show we preach it but these young running backs that they're, they're just pure golden fantasy and if you traded one away i think you just regret it it's one of those where you can only see the value increasing on somebody like gibson so if you're acquiring somebody like derrick henry for me, there's only one way it's going to go, and, and that's Gibson going up and, and Derek Henry going down. But as I said, Marvin, I do think Derek Henry can, can still have a good season. It's just as you said, I'd rather be I'd rather be too early on making a making a move like that than than too late. So we'll move on then, and we'll go to the 111, which is you, Marvin. Who have you got at the 111 spot?
1: All right. So for this one it was it was a tough one. Um, because it was between for me at least, between the running back you're taking next and, and this guy's <laughs> JK Dobbins, right? At the one eleven, um, who I I like a lot, uh, just from an efficiency standpoint, one of the more efficient running backs, right? Uh, but um, you know, they they didn't lean on him at first, but then we did see towards the end that they did. And and Mark Ingram kind of was put to the side and he's no longer with the team now, or he's projected to be released, right? And um, finished the year off strong from week 13 onward. He was the RB 11 in points per game among running backs. Um, very good to see there. RB1 in breakaway run rate, RB5 in evaded tackles per touch, RB3 in yards create per touch, which those don't those stats might not matter if there's no volume with it, but he did get the volume and he still maintained those metrics. And that's that's what you want to see. Now, the obvious concern would be the volume and whether he's going to get that passing um game involvement and that will help his ppr upside a little bit but he didn't have that towards the end of the year and he was still one of the better running backs in the league so now I'll give him a couple receptions and we could see that that floor increase even further so i'm um i like him a lot i think even with an rbbc if gus edwards is still there i think they'll be just fine um so i, I i'm definitely a, a big fan of of dobbins who might be potentially the the I guess cheaper quarterback or running back to acquire from from the ones we've already talked about here in the lower first round range so um and he could just have just as high of an upside as a gibson or an I
0: yeah this is the right spot for dobbins for me according to adps is actually the fourth uh, 2020 rookie player off the board in dynasty style so should have gone 104 according to ADP, which um, I, I disagree with. Um, but like like you said, Marvin, really similar, similar analysis from me. He's a super talented runner. He's a, in a great offense for the run game, but he does have that limited pass catching upside. The Ravens were second worst in running back targets and target percentage in 2019. And again, second worst in running back targets in 2020, although the target percentage to running backs did improve uh, up to eighth worst. All. Well, um Dobbins feels like a smaller mini version of Nick Chubb to me. Someone that's super talented as a runner, can catch the ball, but unlikely to be used in the past game as often as he could be. So Dobbins and Chubb are going back to back in Dynasty ADP. Which one of these would you prefer to have on your dynasty team at Wyomarvin? Ah
1: oh, that's a that's a tough one. I I, I love Chubb as a <laughs> just one of the better pure rushers, right? And he showed that this year, even though he missed a couple of games. Um, he was, in my opinion, one of the the best running backs in the league behind Derrick Henry. And I think in certain metrics, he was even better than Derrick Henry. And he just didn't have the 200 rushing yard games, but was still very efficient while splitting touches. So I have Chubb ahead with Dobbins right now, because if we look at both of them, they probably won't get as much involvement in the in the passing game. And they're both but they're both heavily involved in the run game. But I think I, I feel more comfortable with Chubb's um Chubb's volume going forward, at least for the foreseeable future. Um I know there's a slight age discrepancy there, like a couple of years, two, three years. Um, but um I think I'd rather have Chubb right now, but I, I wouldn't blame anyone with going with Dobbins. I just would feel more comfortable with Chubb for at least twenty twenty one and maybe twenty twenty two. What do you guys think with that one
2: yeah i think Kev made a good point with, um, with them with him being a bit of a, a mini nick chubb Um both great runners of the ball but both on offenses that, that tend to run the ball first so i think it, it works well for them in in that respect um obviously the, the passing game is obviously a, a cap on the on their ceiling but i just think with how good a runner they both are i mean dobbin showed it towards the back end of this year just how good a runner he is and he was scoring touchdowns pretty much every game, so it, it, what he lacks in the passing game, he more than makes up for when it comes to around the end zone and, and crashing the ball over the, the goal line. So, yeah, he is probably one of the... I think he's my RB5 out of the 2020 RB class, so he is down at the, at the bottom of, of the guys that we've mentioned, but I do think he can still be a, a fantastic running back in fantasy, even without that that passing upside, as you mentioned.
0: And one thing you could use, the tiebreaker because these are so close, you could use the potential of an injury to a backfield teammate. So I think if Gus Edwards goes down injured, there won't be there'll be a little bit of change in terms of rush volume. But if Kareem Hunt goes down injured and Chubb's getting that pass work, I mean, wow, he's cool. going to have top, top three upside, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think he can do it. He did have a few drops in the playoffs, but I imagine if something did happen to not not wishing an injury on him but if he did get injured and Chubb's getting 50 60 catches that's that's mega Mm
2: -hmm. i think that's what's the frustrating part about this i think both chub and dobbins have shown that they can be pass catchers so as fantasy players we're just screaming that we we want them to get that (laughs) opportunity but sadly nfl teams they they know better and they know how to win games rather than than winning fantasy games so yeah, we, we've just got to let it be what it is, I guess.
0: I had to mention Chubb on Valentine's Day.
2: <laughs> well, you always got to lower the tone, haven't you, Kev? Sorry, Mum. <laughs> right, so we'll move on then to the last picker, and this is my picket, and I've gone, as Marvin mentioned, I've gone for Clyde Aberdele. Um I've got a smile on my face because we mentioned it last week when I spoke about Clyde Eberdellar. I, I caught a bit of stick from the the Chiefs' kingdom when that my hobby uh, my, crushing this uh, – upcoming rookie class Marvin is um, Michael Carter and I mentioned that he's very similar to Clyde Abertilere but probably a little bit better and uh, let's just say it didn't go down too well on Twitter so yeah, <laughs> a bit of a funny one that, that I've selected Clyde Abertilere here but as I say it's been, it's been a fall from grace from Clyde Abertilere and um, I saw plenty of instances where I was going at the 101 in SuperFlex rookie drafts um, last offseason you mentioned it yourself Marvin that, that people were grabbing that, that potential upside that they saw and he was being touted as the the RB five according to ADP last uh, last August, but it's now dropped down to the RB eleven. And I think overall, I, I don't think his rookie season was actually as terrible as what people are making out. Um, I just I just don't think it matched that that, that hype that he was getting uh, in the off season. He finishes the RB twelve. Um, he made a strong start to the season. He was the RB ten through the first seven weeks, but but that tailed off, and it it tended to be when his snap share was starting to decrease from that those weeks he was it was getting 64.4 percent weeks one to seven and it and that dropped down to 53.5 from weeks eight to week 16 so the fact that his snapshot went down i think that that wasn't a help and also the o-line as well it's been mentioned that that was bound up for a large part of the year and i think people underestimated just how how big of an impact that was going to make on Clyde Everton there Um, I still believe, though, that he's going to be a key part of this offense moving forward. I mean, let's not forget, he was a first-round pick by the Chiefs, so they clearly see something in him, and they're a big believer in his talent. So, um, yeah, with his with his value now falling to that RB eleven, Mark Marvin, um, is he someone you you would look to target in Dynasty? And and if so, what would you pay in regards to twenty twenty one rookie picks to to get somebody like Clyde?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I I think at there, there comes a point where he's just being faded too heavily. I feel like in every one of my sleeper leagues, I've received at least one notification from each of them that Clyde edwards is available. So he, everyone's trying to trade him away because of what we saw. But, um, you know, Lev Bell is not going to be there in the playoffs. We kind of saw them lean in on him a little more, and and I think he got injured a little bit in one of the games. But they, I, I still believe with the draft capital that they invested with him, and we know that that is a pretty high indicator of what they want to do with him is they want him to be um, their lead guy whether that's him getting you know 90% of the touches probably not and you know we'll still have another running back there taking away some of those um those touches so i i'm fine with the rb11 range i, I think that's where i have him as well in my dynasty rankings that from a 2021 pick standpoint i guess i would uh i guess maybe in a super flex league a, a late one seems the most fair to me because especially if you need a running back, I think he'll be good for the next couple of years. They'll still be um, very serviceable for your, for your team. Um, but that late uh, late first range, you don't really have a running back there. If, assuming, you know, um, you have the, the top three, the three big guys that we all are projecting going in the v- very early with the quarterbacks, then you might be left with wide receivers towards the end there. So if you need a running back, I think Clyde edwards is a great target for that one of those later arranges but then then i see i'm talking myself out of this again because <laughs> then you guys have you have guys like rashad bateman and you have um rondell moore in that range as well who i like a lot long term so i don't think you're going to get a trade done with a t- 2021 20, second in superflex league for Clyde solaire so you'll have to pay that first but if i had to it would have to be a late first if i were to to trade for him and and that it's crazy to think he was the one-on-one in, in some superflex leagues at one point, And that's, yeah. it's just like you said, a, a pretty big fall from grace there. So, Kev, <laughs> what's your feelings on this?
0: Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking then maybe if, if you do love this rookie class um, as much as last year's, for example, and you don't want to give up your late first, I guess your only real option if you want Edwards, mm-hmm. is to trade one of your veteran players and, Try and do something that way. I mean, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a running back that you trade away. It could be, could be a, a decent wide receiver. Which, I guess, if if you if you like this class, it's a pretty decent area to be looking at wide receivers. The the late first um, with the way it's shaping up. So, yeah, if you're strong at wide receiver and need a running back, it might be a case that you you keep your first, you trade your your veteran wide receiver for mm. Edwards Aler, and then use your rookie pick to to re up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just grab Michael Cart in a second and we'll <laughs> <Perfect>. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's <laughs> it in Ken, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, so that brings us to the end of, of recapping the um the 2020 rookie draft. So I'll just quickly go through the the, the way it fell. At the 101, we had Justin Herbert, 102 Jonathan Taylor, 103 Joe Burrow, 104 Justin Jefferson. 105 DeAndre Swift, 106 Tua Vailoa, 107 T Higgins, 108 C.D. Lamb, 109 Cam Akers, 110 Antonio Gibson, 111 J.K. Dobbins, and 112 Clyde Eberdellaire. Pretty solid list that, guys. I'm, I think I'm quite happy with that. I like how it looks.
0: Superb.
1: no i think this is i think this is what most drafts would look like if they were to redraft it i think it's somewhere with these top 12 guys and in just maybe a different order but i think this is a pretty pretty good list and yeah
2: yeah so as you mentioned it's a it's a stacked class and and sadly there were some guys that had to miss out so we're all going to now go through an honorable mention and we'll start with you marvin who's your honorable mention
1: yeah, so I just went with a guy that's next in my rankings after these 12, and that's Brandon Ayuk, who um, I think is being a little undervalued right now and maybe forgotten after what he's done. He's my currently my wide receiver 15 in Dynasty, and in 12 games this season, missed a couple games here and there, um, but he was the wide receiver, 16 in PPR points per game. With 15.4, he led all 49ers in weighted opportunity rating on a per-game basis, um, and that's higher than Kittle when he was healthy, so that's something to keep an eye on as well, and even with Kittle and Debo there, and this was a, a very small sample size because they all had injuries throughout the year, but he averaged a little under 12 PPR points per game, and, and that to me shows that he wasn't at least faded out of the offense. He was still heavily involved, and, and um, it is a slight concern, though, because it will cap his upside. You won't get that those 20-point games that we did see from him because he might not get the 10 targets or more on a per-game basis. Um, but one thing, um, you know, one of the the, the interesting stats I found that is that over the last 20 seasons, we only had eight rookie wide receivers average 15 plus PPR points per game. So it's a pretty exclusive list. 75% of them have had multiple wide receiver one seasons. Mm-hmm. And you have Justin Jefferson, of course, joining that list, and then Brandon Ayuk is the only two receivers from this class to do that. Now, CD Lamb, T Higgins, they all were on pace to get there, but they didn't. And still, when you consider what Brandon Ayuk had to deal with at a coreback position, I mean, none of his corebacks were really like, you know, gonna tear it up from a passing standpoint, right? So I think that's the wild card. Pun intended, maybe here. That, uh, <laughs> I like <laughs> that it, what, what they, what they, whatever they do at the quarterback position, could elevate this offense because they there are rumors that they could go after Deshaun Watson. I think that would be tremendous for this offense, and and if that were the case, Ayuk's ADP is going to skyrocket. So if you can get after it now, when he's, I think his ADP is around the twenty-ish range. I, I think there's the upside is much higher than what uh, people are drafting him to be. So that's why I like him, and uh, he probably is in that, you know, that 112, 201 range that probably would have been next for me after the 12 we drafted.
0: Yeah, I like Ayuk as well. I think I've got him just ahead of consensus. He's my wide receiver 18. Uh, like most of these guys we've mentioned, a really impressive rookie season. Um, there was only three full games with Debo and Kittle, and the results in this varied. He had 7.4, 9.2, and 17.5 fantasy points. It is a small sample, and it is against some pretty tough defenses. So Miami, LA Rams, New England. Um, in those three games, though, we only had eleven touches combined. Which on a rough run offense, uh, that's it's really really run heavy offense. It's a, more of a worry for me in the long term. So with the situation as it is, do you think Ayuk would ever be a wide receiver one, or have a wide receiver one season with Kittle there? Or do you think he's more of a solid wide receiver 2-3 with that rush floor as well?
1: I think right now I project him more as a, as a wide receiver 2 with high wide receiver 2 upside. But it all comes down to what they do at quarterback. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo still throwing the ball, I can't put him in that wide receiver 1 range for Dynasty with other guys there that have more volume and more uh, talented quarterbacks throwing to him. So that's, that's the... The thing I'm waiting for to truly, um, to truly move him up my rankings, and I think wide receiver 15 is already really high um, compared to ADP, obviously. But I think if they upgrade a quarterback, yes, I think he'll have a couple wide receiver one seasons because I think he's the better receiver compared to Debo, and um, I think he can coexist with Kittle. It just depends on if Debo stays healthy. You know, we've kind of seen that over the last two seasons, right? Ayu um, could be the more reliable receiver with Kittle. And then if they get that quarterback upgrade, there might be enough volume for all of them to succeed um, for fantasy. Yeah,
2: Especially. I love this pick, Marvin. This is the guy that I would have picked if if, if you didn't get in there first and, and declare him as your pick. So, yeah, brilliant, a brilliant pick. Somebody that I was targeting heavily in the early second round in in my um, rookie drafts last off season. Um, yeah, just I, I've been hiring him. It's just been great to see him make an immediate impact and and looking good on this offense. Um, As you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with uh, Debo and obviously Kittle coming back as well. But I personally, I agree, I'd rather have Ayuk over over Debo Samuel in fantasy. Um, Yeah, and I'm excited to see what what 2021 brings for him. So Kev, who's your guy? Who's your mention?
0: I've gone for Chase Claypool. Um, He he was wide receiver 23 on the season. He he outscored over rookie wide receivers going ahead of him like... Against Brandon Ayuk, and amazingly, Jerry Judy is going ahead of him, which <laughs>
2: that's mad. Um, <laughs> I, I personally miscast burn. Cast, <laughs> burn. Um,
0: I, I miscast the last season as a potential tight end. Uh, how wrong was I? He um, was really impressive, actually, if we look at some of the metrics. Uh, number nine in air yards, number three in deep targets, four in yards after catch, number five in total touchdowns, and number ten in hog rate. Now the hog Great one really intrigues me because it's the number of targets per snap and with Juju and his 128 targets likely leaving Pittsburgh, I think there's a pretty clear pathway for it not only increased snaps but also increased volume so that's also on the back of 109 targets as a rookie for Claypool. I have it really close between Deontay Johnson and Claypool as the Steelers dynasty wide receiver one. I've got them back to back in the same tier so uh, what do you reckon, Marvin? I'm I'm higher than consensus on Claypool. He's my wide receiver 14. Where do you have him in your rankings, and is he the Dynasty wide receiver to own on the Steelers?
1: So I have him as wide receiver 23, so not quite as high as you, but I, I get where the, the optimism comes from. And I have him, you know, I, I, I like him a lot for, for Dynasty and have him ranked higher than Deontay Johnson right now. I don't know if that's recency bias or just the fact that I really like explosive receivers who can take it for, you know, big, uh, big plays. And, and, you know, you go back to what Martavius Bryant kind of brought to this offense kind of is similar to that where it's that explosive guy that they've kind of been looking for. Deontay's more the possession receiver, but for fantasy, like in this range, I do have them both ranked around the same area, but if depending on how I start my drafts, like if I have a bunch of possession receivers or not possession receivers, safe receivers, like a, like Devontae Adams, I started out with that and then grab, a, you know, I don't know, a Keenan Allen somewhere in between. And then now I need a higher upside flex receiver. I think Chase Claypool kind of fits that bill where he's just the the guy that can win you weeks. Um, and it was very inconsistent throughout the year, but give him another year. You know, he's, um, you know, I, I think he, he he can build off of what he did in his rookie year. It's just the quarterback position, still question mark. So that's why I, I can't move him up further, but I love what he can bring and kind of the, the, the way they use him in the offense, not just in the you know, the deep game, but in between as well and the rushing game as well. So it's, I think he's a pretty versatile guy that um, should be good for fantasy for, for years.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's exciting, as you say, for fantasy because he is such a, a big guy who can make big plays, but as you say, he can, can be used in a variety of ways and, it, and he showed it in his rookie season. I mean, a number of times you see him lined up against a guy half his size and you just know it, it's going to, to Claypool. And you just know he's going to win that battle because he is such a, a big, strong dude and he's also very quick on his feet and he can beat a guy. So, yeah, he's a, I think he's a brilliant fantasy asset and it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out with the Steelers and and who gets the, the the majority of this targets over there. So we'll move on then to to my selection. And, and I went for a quarterback here, my, my first pick as a quarterback. And it, it's Jalen Hurts. And I know when I picked this one, Kev, you you, you were quite interested by this one. Um yes. Maybe because you're an Eagles fan. I, I don't know. But <laughs> um, obviously he sat behind Carson Wentz for most of the season, but he became the starter in week 14. Um, and even though it's, it's only a four game sample size so we have to bear that in mind but it was the QB seven through those four games he averaged 22.7 fantasy points per game and, and in those four games he had 272 rushing yards and three touchdowns which it's you'd say that's Lamar Jackson-esque with with those kind of numbers um so in fantasy terms we're we're talking around 12 fantasy points per game that is getting you just on the ground alone and then people are discrediting his accuracy and his ability to throw the ball but in two of those games he had over 300 passing yards so I just mentioned about Lamar Jackson I mean he's already beaten Lamar Jackson in uh uh, passing games so I do believe that he has the potential to be a a fantastic fantasy asset and and to me personally I'm viewing him as a bit of a discount Kyler Murray um maybe his pass catching options obviously aren't as strong as what Murray has but I think with his rushing ability and and the fact that he can throw the ball and he's likely going to be asked to throw the ball a lot um I think it's really interesting um how Jalen Hurts is going to perform in 2021 so Uh, We mentioned him a little earlier, Marvin. Um, If Hertz is the starter, we one like we expect, Uh, and given what he has shown in that small sample size, what what do you think his ceiling is next season? Can he be top ten quarterback, possibly top five quarterback?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, first of all, I'm pretty disappointed that it's not Jordan Love that you picked, but we'll we'll (laughs) we'll, (laughs) uh, no, definitely not. No, no, no. It's Jalen Hurts is the next quarterback up, and and I think his ceiling with his rushing floor that you already mentioned could be easily top 10. Um, I I was thinking, you know, top five is possible, but I'm I'm looking at the quarterbacks that are there. You you have Mahomes, you have Murray, Watson, Lamar, Allen, Dak, if he's healthy, like there's so many that have that rushing floor as well, um, that it might be tough to get in that top five, but anywhere in between top five and top 10 for fantasy next season is definitely doable and considering where his adp is currently i think he's someone who you can grab later in dynasty startups could trade for that like you mentioned could have that discount kyler murray performance on a week-to-week basis that we you know that that just gives you an edge every week at the quarterback position because of that rushing floor so i i really like that pick yeah it's, it's an
0: interesting a- one isn't
2: it <laughs> <laughs> um the Eagles fan over there sitting <laughs> quiet
0: yeah, just, just taking it all in. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think when he when he's playing, he's, he's going to be fantastic. I think we've seen the rush floor. twelve point twelve fantasy points per game rush floors. Insane. It's, it's right up there with Lamar Jackson. And I think to get the most out of him, he's got to be used like Lamar Jackson where you build the offense around him. I don't know if the Eagles are smart enough to do that. So I think, while while every is a starter, you can play him. he can be happy, and I think he will give you QB one numbers. My word of caution would be that he doesn't have the job security of some of these other guys in the top top um, in the top twelve. So while he's giving you QB one performances, I don't think it's a bad idea to let him get a few of these weeks where he's a QB one, and then look to move off him just because being honest the franchise it's in a bit of a state and you don't really want i i personally don't want players on on bad teams uh, and I, I don't see it being a quick turnaround for the eagles i i'd be willing to get him and then look to trade him because i do think his value will rise when he does inevitably get in the star.
2: yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for the eagles i think in uh in 2021 so yeah, that brings us to the end of, of, of recapping and redoing the 2021 rookie class. Um, I think it just goes to show just how how strong this class has been. I mean, a guy that we've not even mentioned is James Robinson, who finishes the RB7. So it just goes to show just how incredible this this draft class has been. Um, quick mention on Robinson, Marvin, what, what's your feelings towards him? Is it a guy you would go to acquire or are you you're not sold on on somebody like Robinson?
1: Yeah, that's another tough question. <laughs> I, I I do like him from what he's produced and what he's shown yeah. his rookie year. I think you can't just ignore that. Um, and considering where this team is going in the first and second round, I don't know if they're going to draft a running back necessarily. So I do, I do believe for them, for that franchise, it's best to build around Lawrence, build, uh, add pieces to that offense outside of running back because you already have James Robinson, who's had a very affordable salary right for them and with a caps you know cap situation in the league where it's shrinking and it's it's tough to find room, why not just go with a running back who produced over a thousand scrimmage yards for you, was really, really good, and you have him at a really good contract. So that's why I'm I'm still optimistic with what he's done. He's he's produced on the level of uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, Antonio Gibson on a per game basis, which is crazy to think about as an undrafted (laughs) running back. And just because he was an undrafted running back doesn't mean we can just ignore what he did because the fact is those numbers are real and he did do that. So I, I'm still, I have him in my, I think, top 24 running backs in Dynasty. Um, So I'm I'm optimistic and I know some people are fading, but it's all about uh, the price and, and what you can get for him and what you can get um, to acquire him. I, I think he's someone who right now is just being undervalued and you can grab and minimal risk really because then, I think he'll still have a role regardless if they bring someone in because of what he's done in his rookie year
2: yeah I think for me that that is the one concern you mentioned uh, an undrafted uh running back mm-hmm. it, it, you're not convinced we're, we're not sold mm-hmm. on him um mm-hmm. having that longevity we don't know how it's going to play out but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Philip Lindsay obviously he was uh, mm-hmm. an undrafted free agent when he when he joined the Broncos and and how that's played out I mean, that that is the fear that that I have. That plays on my mind, obviously, with it being so recent. You, you think of somebody like Lindsay, and, and that would be my concern. But as you say, I think his values, it's becoming it's becoming a value, and and you can get a, a potentially a, a, an RB one for RB two price. So I mean, yeah, I'm fully on board if you can get him at the right price. Yeah, so we'll we'll move up start- now, go on, Kev final words i was going to say i think if you start your draft
0: with safer safer guys a bit like marvin said on claypool that if you yeah. want wanting to look for upside in the third fourth james robinson's got as, up, as much upside as anyone especially if he gets the free down rolling in an ascending offense
2: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so we'll move on to the the final section then and, and this is what we call the the wild card section marvin and um, it's a it's a selection that you're going to make where You're going to select a player that that you believe is going to improve their their dynasty value in 2021 so i'm interested to see who who have you got here
1: so i'm picking dj moore as someone who's currently going in the i think like the low wide receiver two range which is outrageous in my opinion i have him as my wide receiver 10 dynasty and fun fact he's the only player i have in my dynasty leagues in all of my dynasty leagues at 100 roster ship so I'm biased, maybe a little bit, but there's a there's I think there's a lot to like about him going forward, and you know, what we saw here, obviously in this past season, is that his volume declined, but he offset it with efficiency, and that's because the way they used him in this new Joe Brady offense, his role changed, but he was still efficient with it. Um, you know, you have Curtis Samuel as a free agent, um, that could be a couple, uh, quite a few opportunities that could be. Dispersed back into the offense, and DJ Moore is one of the more talented guys in that offense. I think some of those targets could go his way, and whether they upgrade at quarterback, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I think he was fine for what they were trying to do, but with if you have Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and, and if they get back Curtis Samuel I think there's a there's a higher ceiling for this offense that can't be reached with DJ with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. If they were to trade up in the draft um, and grab, you know, a Justin Fields, I don't know if they have the draft capital to do that. I know they're not that far away from the top five area. That would be tremendous for that team. They could go after Trey Lance who could drop a little further down. They could go after um, Deshaun Watson who's available and it sounds like they might be interested. Um, That would be amazing for this offense. And I think part of what a lot of, I guess, fancy managers are concerned about is he wasn't necessarily the, the most explosive guy this year compared to his 2019 season where he had that PPR floor. Um, and so he's dropped down in ADP, but over his last three seasons, he's only one of, uh, I believe it's now 18 receivers who have accumulated minimum of 3000 receiving yards, 300 targets and 200 receptions in the first two years in the league. and the, And that includes now Ridley and Moore who joined this list after the 2020 season. But some of the guys before that were Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Michael Thomas, You know, just a really good group of guys. 75% of them have had at least three wide receiver one seasons in their career. Now, I, I know DJ Moore hasn't had that yet because of the touchdowns and, and Ridley was the better receiver this past year, but we can't forget about him. He's still so young at what, 23, approaching um, year 24 for him. and And was it fourth year in the league? upside's tremendous in my opinion and there's still so much more untapped potential in that Carolina offense that uh, we haven't seen yet because of the quarterback play so I think he's someone who you you can get ahead of capitalize on that low ADP and then hopefully profit in 2021 so we'll see (laughs)
0: yeah I'm I'm torn on DJ Moore. I I (laughs) love his college profile he's Mm -hmm. a top three wide receiver all-time in my college model Uh, the flip side is He's failed to crack a top 15 wide receiver in his first three seasons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I think for the purposes of this wild card selection, I do really like it though, because I think he's got an amazing ceiling. Uh, he's, he's only 23. Uh, you can paint a picture where the volume does increase and he does get the upgrade at QB. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently my wide receiver 13 in ADP. And I think if everything does fall right, we can see top five potential in his range of outcomes. I think it's interesting how it was used this season under Matt Rule, uh, more as a deep guy with Robbie Anderson taking more of an underneath role. Uh, that's different to what we've seen in the past. And I actually prefer the opposite for fantasy where uh, Moore can make the most of his super yak ability. And I think that would have been a better fit with Teddy Bridge- Bridgewater as a super accurate short pass game guy. Um, the Panthers, they-, they look extremely likely to have a starting QB this off season. You mentioned fields and lance and deshaun watson uh, which qb do you think has the the best chance to unlock dj moore's incredible dynasty potential
1: so i think it's deshaun watson um no (laughs) no i definitely that would be tremendous easy choice choice, but i think that would be an easy slam dunk for his um upside i i wish though that i i'd I'd want it to be justin fields i don't think they you know Jacksonville's not going to trade out of that spot, so it's going to be Trevor Lawrence there. But um, I think it's the Jets that have the second pick, if I remember correctly. And it sounds like they might try to keep Sam Darnold. And if that were the case, if if a team could trade up and and you know, Carolina's only a few spots below, could they trade up and grab a Justin Fields? I just think that would be a great... Uh, it's, I, I think that's a significant upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater, at least from an upside standpoint. And then you you have all the other pieces around him um, I like that a lot, but I, I wouldn't be mad if they just stayed where they were and grabbed uh, Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. I think they'd be just fine there. It's, it, I just wasn't a fan of Terry Bridgewater and, and his conservative play. And, you know, you'd, you'd watch games where DJ Moore's wide open and he just can't find him or doesn't throw deep. Just throw it to him. Or even just like you said, the the yak ability. It, he was still just as good after the catch per reception. Just give him the ball; he'll do something with it. But they just didn't use him that way. So that was really frustrating to see. That's why I think there's still that that untapped potential um, that could elevate his his game and hopefully result in a the first wide receiver one season for him in in his career.
2: Yeah, I'm like you, Marvin. I'm a big fan of DJ Moore. Um, if Curtis Samuel does move on, I, I think that's going to open an opportunity maybe for, for DJ Moore to get those little shorter um, targets. And as you say, just get the ball in his hands and and let's just see what he can do with it. We we know how good he is with his yards after the catch ability. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, it's a bit similar to the Bengals. I think this this whole offense is going to be really exciting um, for fantasy. Uh, we mentioned the quarterbacks. I think if a rookie does land, um with the panthers i believe that that's going to be a, a brilliant boost for them in, in terms of the value in fantasy and I just mentioned guys like trey lance falling to, to the panthers it's it's exciting times and it's just getting me excited for these uh rookie drafts this year and and the nfl draft as well it's as i say it's, it's exciting times ahead so that brings us to the end of the show then guys um i just want to say a, a massive thank you marvin for for joining us uh, and before you go I'd, like to give the opportunity is there anything you'd like to share or or plug
1: yeah thank you guys first of all for having me i've been you know like i mentioned i've been looking forward to this and hanging out with you guys so this was really really fun um you know you guys listeners can find me on twitter at ff underscore marvin e and i'm currently working on a couple rookie profiles for uh the footballers um i have uh, kenneth gainwell coming up here and i think later this week. So he's a fun guy to look forward to. And then I'm working on just some rookie rankings as well, just kind of developing my process. So I'll share those on Twitter. Have a couple uh, things in the works for Dynasty Nerds as well. So um all of that will be on Twitter. So um yeah, um looking forward to this off season. Like you said, it's a lot going on, a lot of changes. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, if you don't follow Marvin already, you have to follow Marvin. He's an abs- I said to Kev before you come on, Marvin, they're a stat machine, and <laughs> you, you just you, your knowledge expands every time you read something that you, you you tweet out. It's it's just golden in terms of improving as a fantasy player. So an absolute must follow it if you don't follow Marvin already. Uh, Kev, anything else to add on on this show? Yeah,
0: yeah, just echoing what you said about um, about Marvin. Just thank you for coming on. You you've been a great guest. Um, you're, you're just such a knowledgeable and a lovable guy so thanks for coming on and um i've had a lot of fun with it today i'm sure Matt has as well um Absolutely. and then just some just another thing to highlight from you as well marvin you've got that video series on um on youtube the dynasty rankings versus adp where you pick three guys at each position above consensus uh the wide receiver and running back ones are up there already i've watched them i found it really useful so be sure to check out the uh, dynasty nerds on youtube as well and all of marvin's stuff's on there
1: Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
2: No, absolutely. Um, yeah, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Marvin, and it's been long overdue, and it's just great to, to be able to actually catch up with you and, and talk to you virtually, I guess, but but in person, it's been it's been brilliant. So, yeah, I just want to say a, a massive thank you to, to all the listeners and everybody that, that's watching us. Um, it'd be great if you could subscribe and also follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. Um, we have all this Linktree site on our Twitter page where you can follow all podcasts and the shows on youtube so please do check it out and give us a a a subscribe and yeah the podcast is going to drop on tuesday if you're listening Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast then yeah i just want to say thank you and and have a good evening and we'll see you soon when you have the wild card you have the
0: power to change the game